Hey guys, this is Derek with a real quick note on the upcoming podcast. We touch on a number of different topics from the team winning five of the last six, focus in a little bit on Ben Simmons and his dominant play of late and his return to an aggressive scoring mentality. We talk about Joel Embiid and how his status for upcoming games is determined. You know, we focus in quite a bit on Markel Fultz and his return to five-on-five practices, what we can expect for Fultz in terms of a return date and also effectiveness, what we saw from his jumper over the last week, and then we touch on the London game a little bit at the end. This podcast was recorded on Monday afternoon. The reason I mention that is because I have to go jump on a flight to London real soon. There's almost no chance I'm going to get this released before that happens. It shouldn't be a problem because the team only plays once in the next week, and that's on Thursday, a couple days away. So there shouldn't be any real major news. Knowing my luck, a major Markel Fultz update will come out this afternoon at practice, but regardless, the podcast is going to be released as is. So just a heads up for context on when it was recorded. Thank you guys once again for listening. Subscribe if you want over at SixersBeat.com and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner, once again joined by Rich Hoffman on the latest Sixers Beat. As always, subscribe to the podcast. You can get links to that over at SixersBeat.com. Check out the CLNS Media Network, ourselves, B-Ball Breakdown, Real Jam Radio, Sam Vecini's Game Theory Podcast. A lot of good shit on there. Uh, also, please do leave us a rating or a review, particularly on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That helps us out quite a bit. How you doing, Rich? Not bad, Derek. The uh, Sixers are uh, are turning around a little bit here as we uh, get ready to go to London. It's almost like a young team that lacks experience and doesn't have a whole lot of depth is going to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit up and down. There's going to be peaks and valleys, but it's very much been after losing nine out of ten, they've now won five out of six, and everybody is happier. Yeah, I feel like our last podcast has aged pretty well. And and not to say that aging a week is like a big accomplishment right. by any means. Because, but because by the way, they're going to lose five out of six again real shortly probably. So. Yep, and there are going to be people calling for the coach's head, and, and we'll go through that whole song and dance again. But yeah, I mean this is, you know, I think last week we said 500 teams, they're going to be losing streaks and they're going to be winning streaks. And, you know, as they sit here at 500 – Brett Brown was asked about it yesterday. How do you feel about where you are right now? And, and I thought his answer was pretty good. You know, it, d- during that stretch of December when they lost nine of ten games, there are definitely specific games that the Sixers went back with the uh, the amount of second half leads they blew. But overall, I mean, to be nineteen and nineteen, to sit, I believe, seventh in defense, or yeah, seventh in de- defense, fifteenth in offense. And 10th in overall net rating. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. You're right. A, a top seven defense and a league average offense, considering all the things we've gone over. The inexperience of Embiid and Simmons, the lack of creators outside of those two, uh, the lack of depth, the inconsistent shooting, the injuries. 15th in offense, and people are like <laughs> getting on Brett Brown because of the team's offensive performance. They're so far... Um, exceeding my expectations that it has been. A, it, it honestly, a lot of times I'll look through it. And I'll go like, 
how the hell are they doing this? Like it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you realize they have one of the most you know unstoppable forces in the game playing. You know, so far, what's he at? How many games is he at? I think he's missed. Uh, I think he's played about three out of every four games so far this season. When he's on Sounds the court, right. they're really fucking good. I mean, it, it really we we almost overstate that, but it, it it almost can't be overstated because it's the absolute truth. They're a good team when he's playing. He covers up a, a lot of deficiencies on both ends of the court. Yeah, I don't have his on-off numbers in front of me right now, but I was looking at uh, at Ben Falk's site last night. They are uh, they're third in the NBA in effective field goal percentage against, um, which just tells me like it's really hard to score on this guy. Yeah, so, yeah. with with the amount that they foul, and with how little that they're turning over the other teams when you force that many missed shots like at some point you're going to turn into a good defense it's just yeah he's i mean he's been awesome and i, I will say like the, the last week them not throwing the ball all over the court and, and basically barfing all over themselves then they're a pretty good offensive team too and uh yeah i mean it's you know, it, it's kind of funny. They have this one game in nine-day stretch, and it almost feels like it's a bad time for that to happen. You okay. kind of, a, after they blew out the Pistons the other night, you were kind of thinking, oh, I wish they could keep playing, right? They're they're kind of on a roll right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you mentioned the Embiid on-off numbers. I almost stopped checking them, checking them because they're so consistently dominant. But I just went back and looked. 109.3 offensive rating with him on the court. That would be the seventh best offense. No, sixth best offense in the league. Right behind the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Milwaukee Bucks. And a 99.2 defensive rating, which is is number one in the league. And it's just, it's incredible what they're able to accomplish just when they have that one guy on the court. All right, well, we're actually now back. And I guess the, a real quick behind the curtain of podcasting, my internet connection just died out. I'll have to give Fios a call after this. And now I'm tethered to my phone, so we'll we'll see how, how well this goes. But, yeah, Embiid's on-off numbers, really good. Go, Rich. Yeah, I mean, they're – I was just looking at them when your internet went out. I mean, that's basically Golden State Warriors territory when he plays, which – Considering they're the best basketball team I've ever seen, right. is pretty good. Um, yeah, and he just—I mean—he changes everything. And obviously, he's been battling his uh, nagging injuries this week, and and that's going to be a big factor. But it, take the other night, for example, when they play the Pistons. I, I was sitting there the other night, and to be fair to Detroit, they're playing without Reggie Jackson. And the Sixers were just on fire the other night. I mean, that, that was a shooting night that is going to be better than, than the average game. But I'm sitting there watching that and thinking, they're better than these guys. Yep. If if Joe can stay healthy just even at the rate he's at right now, they're going to finish ahead of these guys. And honestly, like looking at the Eastern Conference standings, they have a better point differential than the fifth through eighth seeds. I, I look at the Pacers. That's another team. They're better than them. They're better than the Knicks, who are behind them, who have still played a million home games. Um, and we'll see about the Heat and the Bucks. But yes, I right now they're in a pretty good spot. I would say to make the playoffs, and there are a lot of positive indicators for them being a good team throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think if you probably listened to our previous podcast, it might sound like we're, we're we're down on the team. 
And certainly I think I'm down on the depth of the team, but I think when I look at the, the overall status, I think what I was explaining was that they're going to go through their ups and downs, but overall I still, like you said, I think they're better than the Pistons team, who I still don't, I still don't buy, I don't buy defensively at all. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of these teams, the Knicks are starting to come back down to earth, the um, Hornets are coming back down to earth, the Pacers are coming back down to earth a little bit. I think the Sixers are better teams, even if I'll sit here and, and point out their flaws, they still have two dynamic players. They still have a, a, a good competitive playoff caliber starting five. There's still a lot to like about this team. I'm just saying be wary of the ups and downs of the season. But yeah, I think I think they're a better team than the Pistons. I think they've shown that so far throughout the year, and I think they've shown that throughout Stan Van Gundy's career, which is awesome. I love watching Stan Van Gundy lose to the process Sixers after he got on his uh you know his, his soapbox, his self righteousness. It is. It is fun to watch, even if I, I probably don't hate Stan Van Gundy as much as many people in the area. It is fun watching him lose to these teams. I'm the same exact way. I, I, do, I actually really like Stan Van Gundy. Um, he, uh, just just somebody who's that honest, and I mean, not to get too political, but I agree with a lot of his outspoken views on on subjects other than basketball, we'll say. And I mean, I, I just think he's a character. And, and in terms of the NBA being an entertainment product when he's screaming, go build a fucking wall or whatever that was, or all these little things or, or watching him, the video of him dribbling on YouTube makes me laugh or the, <laughs> or, or the video of him looking like, uh, like he just cut a rap album while he's, uh, on a, on a bicycle. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty funny, but yeah, I, he is seven and seven since taking over. Uh, the Pistons against the Sixers, and as we know, there were some really bad basketball teams uh, that the Sixers were fielding during that time. So, not great. Uh, and obviously, he's a great process enemy. Um, so what what do you think? Uh, you know, as as far as Ben Simmons the other night, I I thought his first quarter against Detroit was as good as he has played all season, and Considering that he hasn't exactly been a slouch the entire season, that was a pretty impressive performance. What, uh, you know, Simmons has been really good recently. What? Do, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, his coach pretty much explained it. He said when Simmons is, you know, when you're not concerned about the free throw line, you're you're naturally more aggressive. And you know, I think that's pretty. I think it's pretty clear watching him. But I also think, you know, and, and first of all. A lot of people now say, oh, did he fix his, his free throw? No. Like, I, I still think he's going to have these stretches where he looks, you know, he struggles mightily and he, his confidence comes and goes. But right now he's playing like he's not concerned about getting the free throw line. And when he does that, you can see his physical dominance really shine. And also it helps, oh, by the way, over the last six games, the Sixers are shooting 40% from three-point range. Redick and Covington are healthy and available and playing minutes and making shots. And Bede has been on the court. Those things are huge factors in what kind of space Ben Simmons has to operate with. And that, by, by in, you know, in turn, is a big factor in how effective Ben Simmons is. But he's also just been more aggressive in taking up that space, building up ahead of steam, getting to the paint, initiating contact, and scoring in, in the lane. I think I looked over the last three games. He's, you know, I think he was in the four games before the last three, he was scoring like 
10 points a game on 40% shooting from the field and scoring like three points per game off of drives. He's now shooting like, I think he's scoring like eight points a game off of drives and shooting almost, I think, 60% from the from the field on those drives. It's just, it's a completely different Ben Simmons. And you look, I believe since the Washington game, he was shooting about three free throws per game. Yeah. Since that Hackaben game in late November. Uh, you know, and, and, and Brett said it the other day, he didn't shoot too many free throws against the Pistons. I think it might have only been one, honestly. But the two games before, he shot, uh, a lot. I think it was twenty five or think something was, like that. Twenty seven, something like that. Yeah, it was it was eleven and like 15, uh fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, hey, some some of those were Popovich going to hack a Ben late in the game to a uh, a poor result. Uh but Ben was really aggressive and as you saw the other night, he was shot out of a freaking cannon against the Pistons. I mean, God, some of those spin moves and, and everything was great and while he wasn't um, getting to the line at a crazy level that game, it wasn't for lack of effort, though. He right. was just getting to the rim and finishing. Uh, so that – and I thought it was interesting because some, some people try to uh, downplay that, that he's afraid to shoot free throws. And I don't – unless it's the end of the game, I don't think he's explicitly afraid to shoot free throws. I just think there's a little bit of a mental block in that he thinks when he gets in the air, oh, let me try and finish this with my right hand instead of the mentality of let me try and go through this guy. And I don't think it's like some gigantic block in his head where he's saying I I can't shoot any free throws. But these split-second decisions, sometimes that can sort of linger. Um, It's it's, It's not a Markel Fultz jumper block is what you're saying? No. He had a drive the other night, Ben, and trust me, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> he had a drive that we saw earlier in the season when, and, and God, he just, Avery Bradley's a pretty good defender, but he's a lot smaller than Simmons, and Simmons just punished him. I mean, that that was the definition of bully ball, and there was a drive in the second half where Bradley kind of tried to take a charge, but Simmons just drove right through him, and it was one of those drives where, Bradley just bounced right off of him, and Simmons went up for a dunk, and they didn't call anything. That's what I want to see Simmons getting back to. And, you know, he was great at the end of the game against um, against Phoenix, and he was pretty damn good against San Antonio, too. So, you know, he's going to have these stretches, and obviously I don't want to pretend everything's perfect because that jump shot is going to produce some some tricky situations. But, yeah, I mean, Ben is – Still a very good player when he is attacking like this. Yeah, yeah, he really is. And like I said, there's, you know, part of the problem with the Sixers is there's so little margin for error. Like you have Covington and Redick, and whether they're available and making shots, you have Embiid, whether he's on the court, you have Simmons, whether or not he's aggressive and and confident getting the free throw line and, and attacking the paint. And any one of those get thrown out of whack, and the entire balance of the team offensively especially, kind of gets thrown out of whack. So, you know, that's a big reason why they're gonna, there's going to be huge ups and downs in the season. That's another reason why the next time they struggle, especially if it's injury-related or availability-related in Embiid's case, not to freak out too much. But, man, when it's on, and it, it's been on, and like you said, no Reggie Jackson, half the Spurs were out. So it's not exactly the, the – the competition isn't maybe as good as the record would indicate for the teams they've beaten. 
but with the way they're playing lately, this this is certainly what it can look like when things are clicking. I, I liked it, Brett and Embiid after the game the other night. They, they got a lot of questions along the lines of, hey, why are you guys playing so well? And they didn't really search too far for an answer. Both of them basically said, oh, I, I think a major reason is that we're healthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, when we were losing all those games, they were frustrating and there were things we weren't doing to secure those wins. But, I mean, beneath all of that is we didn't have a full roster. And, and now they do. Uh, I loved, by the way, the the video the Sixers sent out after they beat the Spurs. They uh, they took Bell. a page from the Eagles and and they uh, they showed the locker room celebration. And you also saw Brown's focus on getting Simmons to the free throw line because he said, I, I guess what he thought was behind closed doors before the game, he told Simmons to go shoot a fucking ton of free throws. Uh, quote. And, uh, yeah, that was cool. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind more of that. Uh, even though I, I gotta say, I, I'm not, yeah, the, the bell, I, I could take or leave that. <laughs> Seems a, a little bit forced, but, um. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, it, it's better than the Ace of Spades, so I'll go, uh, it, I'm fine with it. All right, do we want uh, to go that's, to. That's a deep cut right there. <laughs> Forgot about that. I forgot about it. He mentioned it like every game. It was maddening. All right. Do we want to go to Fultz, his practicing and his jumpers and his return his return to play program, or do we want to go to Embiid and his in and out of the lineup, or at least in and out of the um, his, his status updates? Uh, let's do Embiid first because I feel like that's a shorter conversation, perhaps a much shorter conversation. Okay, so Embiid's, you know, he he'll go from questionable to doubtful to Brett going, eh, there's, I can't see how he would play to scoring 20 points and grabbing 10 rebounds in, in the blink of an eye. Um, he, I mean, he went from out to like a five by five trajectory in like literal minutes the other day. What do you think that is? And how concerned are you because of that? And really the, the second question there is because I kind of have a feeling what your answer is. Well, and they explained this after the game too. I think it's a matter of Embiid having a lot of control over his uh, his status. Now, I think he had a lot of control the other night because that wrist injury, from what the Sixers said, and by the way, like I, I'm not telling anybody to accept that as gospel. <laughs> I, you know, I, at, at some point, you know, fool me ten times, kid. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they said after the game that it was more of a pain management thing and it was not something that he could injure further. Um, and so Embiid before these games sort of turns into me when I'm looking at a menu and there, there's a lot of things and I, and I can't make a decision on where to order or what to eat. Uh, should I play? Should I not play? And, and they've obviously been very wrong when it comes to their, uh, their doubtful and probable. They, you know what? A little word of advice to them. How about just go with questionable? Right. That's probably the right in the thing. middle, fifty-fifty. You can you can justify it easily either way. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I, I just think he he plays a a big factor here. And you know, I th- that game the other night, he was in clear pain. It was an amazing performance, honestly. And you know, before the game, he was saying, I mean, God, look, forty minutes before tip, he's he's saying, Yeah, I, I can't play because I can't shoot and. 
if I can't shoot, like how much of a help could I be? So then it gets announced that he's playing, and everybody's thought is, okay, well, he's basically just going to rebound and maybe block some shots. No, no, he's he played great, stroking jump shots, just he was awesome. Uh, yeah, so I think it's a matter of him having a major say in it, and which I think is a is a healthy development here. I think it's good that that he is taking control of his uh, his pain management and what he can play through. But on the other hand, that can get dicey in terms of if it's a real serious injury. Right. The issue there's there's little issue with him playing through a sprained hand. Like that, the escalation of that, even though it is his shooting hand, just doesn't seem all that likely. My only concern is that the Sixers, first of all, have the right differentiation of what is something that should be his control and should be a a matter of pain management and what is a bigger issue. I, I, I hope that there's that they can correctly identify the differences in that. And also that I hope they can then stand up to Joel and say, look, we know you're a warrior. We know you're going to try to play through this, but it's not in your best interest. And that they will both step up to him when that happens and that he will listen to them when he needs to. And I guess we'll just have to kind of see it play out. Like, I'm a little more concerned. Honestly, the the major minutes he played with a sore back, to me, are far more concerning than what happened with this hand situation. Uh, if that back situation didn't happen, there probably wouldn't be anything raised right now. But, uh, you know, I think uh, with a guy like Joel, one thing I worry about, you know, comments like Drummond the first time when, you know, he's like, why should I be worried about Embiid when he can't, you know, he can't play regularly. And I'm paraphrasing here. Or, you know, when the all-star conversation comes up and his peers are questioning whether he should be an all-star because he misses so much time, whether or not that's going to then give him, you know, instigate him to play in games where he shouldn't. Clearly, I think the narrative that he is glass bothers him, and I just hope the Sixers have the right control of the situation when the injury is a little more severe than a, a sprained hand. Yeah, I mean, and you hit the nail on the head in that a sprained hand is far different from pretty much every other injury he's had since he's been here. That That's not something that I'm worried about long term. Um, and, and it was funny, you know, he, he battled through that, and then on Friday, he's not even on the freaking injury report. Yeah. and. You know, it seemed like it, in rewatching the game, it seemed like once in a while it was bothering him a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, he played a really good game again. The uh, and I will say about his game against the Pistons on Friday, I thought that was one of the best games he's played, and it, his stats won't uh, blow you away. I got him in front of me right now: nine of sixteen, twenty-three points, nine rebounds. One block. That that's it. But the way he got those, everything was so under control. And, and I remember when I was rewatching, I made a, a point to count how many times he fell down <laughs> a, a, as a sort of a way to prove um, th- that he played an under control game. He still fell down three times. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say that he he wasn't on the floor once in a while. But, yeah, it was just in the flow of the offense. And, and Brett, after the game, even said, look, I mean, he can play where, where we just dump the ball down to him and sort of play through him that way. But that's not really the way I want to play, and that's not the way he should want to go about it. So to just have sort of a uh, a pain-free 
evening where it was never even in question that he'd be hurt. It, it was a good thing. Now, he, uh, as I say that, they, they held him out of practice on Sunday for, uh, because of that back that to me seems like it's, it's more of a precautionary thing, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, you never really know, Rich. You never really know. Um, all right, let's move on to Mr. Fultz. Obviously, was successfully reintegrated into team activities this year as they ramped up his return to play program. Um, started off four on four earlier in the week. I think Tuesday was the first day he did that. And then yesterday, five on five. I assume he'll probably play five on five. Today, the Sixers then have two more practices on Tuesday and Wednesday leading up to the London game on Thursday. They come back, then their next game isn't until Monday. So I guess with all this time off, the reports on Markel Fultz will will continue to ramp up. You saw a lot more of this than I did. I got trapped outside of the Philadelphia area, uh, flew down to Florida on Tuesday afternoon, was supposed to fly back Wednesday night. None of that, well, the flight back didn't happen because of... Because of the storm, I finally got in, I think, you know, Sunday morning, which was just a, a huge train wreck. Uh, not a literal wreck because you don't want to joke about it on flying, but not, it was a pain in the ass. But you saw a lot more of this than I did. What's your main takeaway from what he did during the course of the week, what you were able to see, how he looks, how comfortable he looks, and what your expectations are in terms of both the time frame and effectiveness? And I know that's a lot to throw at, at you, so I apologize, but it's what we want to talk about. Yeah, um, and, and I guess the I, I'd preface all of this by saying it's still a limited setting, and this is just my opinion watching. But I will say, and, and you know, I, obviously we've tweeted out some of the videos. I wouldn't expect a ton when he comes back initially. Um, his jump shot to me, there still appears to be a decent amount of issues. It's still Seems pretty darn inconsistent, and uh, I know they've they, they've basically had Billy Lang working with him, but also, uh, I'm, is it Mahmoud Abdul Rauf? I, I don't know how to say his name, but the, the former NBA player, he has been there. We have not gotten to see him work with Fultz, but but he's clearly there, and he's clearly there to work with Fultz. Um, you know. There's been some positives, but but I would even say that you know to to hold off the expectations on those too because you know his free throws look smoother definitely those those just ugly oh those just brutal shots in the preseason I don't think you're gonna see those from the free throw line but on the other hand he's not really jumping and he's he's pulling the ball up on the left side in a way that's Honestly, a little reminiscent of Lonzo Ball. Um, maybe not to that extreme degree because he does bring it back to the middle. And then when he when he shot pull-up jumpers, they have not looked consistent at all. And frankly, at times, they've looked bad. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, if, if he shows up in a game situation and starts playing really well, you know, I, I'd be happy to, to eat my words here, but... From what I've seen, like there is a lot of excitement about him coming back. I'm not sure about how effective he's going to be. Yeah. And look, when we ha- have this conversation, you know, there's been a the months-long debate. Shoulder, changing his shot. We've been clear, changing the shot 
something he tried to do during the offseason, now getting back to where that shot was at Washington. That's the angle we're going to come come at it with. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident in that. I'm very confident in that. You can take my word for it or not. Uh, you can take my reading of the situation or not. Almost doesn't matter. The point is the consistency in the, in the shot. And right now he just looks, first of all, like you said, almost no lower body. He looks like they're really trying to isolate the part of the motion they have to get back to normal. And he just looks like when it happens in, in, in game action, this is just from the video I saw online. Like I said, you're a, you're a much better source of this at this time. I'll see him during the week over in London, but I didn't, I didn't get to see him last week all that much, but it just looks like he is overthinking every, every aspect of his jump shot right now. And look, I think right now the Sixers are at the point where they say, look, if he's willing to play through it, we're willing to have him play through it and live with whatever inconsistent inconsistency is there as long as he's, you know, they you probably get to the point where if he just refuses to shoot him like he did at the beginning of the season, then you, you, you might have to have a conversation about whether it makes sense to let him play through it. But if it's just inconsistency and it's just results, it just seems like, you know, if I were a fan reading this, I wouldn't say his jump shot's back, he's ready to be effective. I'd read this and say, look, they think the best way to get him back to where he needs to be is to let him play through that. And I would expect some pretty big inconsistency in the weeks and maybe even months to follow. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we're sort of piggybacking on what we talked about. This team is playing pretty well. And when when Embiid plays, they're pretty damn good. But if you add the same faults that we saw early in the season, to that group, that's that's a be- that's a negative player. Yep. So I, I guess the question is how wi- like how negative is he, and how willing are they to let him live with the results right now? I, I don't know, but I, I will say that there's a lot of excitement about him coming back. My general take on it would be, look, it's it's good to see him healthy and out there, but I, I wouldn't expect the Washington Markel Fultz to be showing up or even the summer league guy. Um, not right away, at least he, uh, it, it's like you said, the, the inconsistency in his shot is just, it's so apparent. And I have to be honest with you. I, you know, he's still shooting and this is just shooting 10 footers. I mean, like we're, we're not even touching the distance that he made his money on at Washington, that mid range, those long twos that that he made at a high level, and even those threes, those I mean I I don't think they've even progressed to that level yet. So again, we'll see. I mean, this is just just me watching him shoot after practice, but from what I've seen, I I got I I can't really lie. I, I don't think there's a lot to be encouraged about. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's like we've been saying. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. I hope we're all wrong. I do think that there is at least some hope in that the, the free throw looks better. The pull-up occasionally looks smooth, but I do think it's going to be bumpy along the road. And I just, you know, it, 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 if he struggles, I guess I would say just it, like kind of expect a little bit of struggles. And I mean, my main takeaway, as much as I want to sit here and, and look at the jump shot. It's just great that he's taking them again. I still feel that way. The fact that he's willing to take those shots in front of the media and the team is willing to live with that scrutiny. Like to me, my read on the situation, this is just a read. It's not necessarily based on background information, but my read is then they're getting close to, because clearly 
whatever inconsistency we see in the shot. Unless unless it's all a big ruse and behind the scenes he's shooting great, which I don't I don't necessarily think is is likely or probable. But if they're willing to put him out there and have him shoot in public and play on five on five, then it reads to me like they're willing to let him play through the inconsistency. I just hope if he goes through some struggles, he doesn't either revert into that shell where he won't shoot. And if that happens, then what do you do? I truthfully don't know, but it will be it'll be interesting to watch. What's your guess for your best guess for when he might return to play? I mean, you know, five on five full court contact. So, you know, if if he was if I was more positive about his shooting, it would be pretty soon. I I wonder if they're gonna try and find a soft spot in the schedule for him to land coming up. I, my guess is that he wouldn't play in London. Um, just looking at the schedule now, you know, I, probably like, I don't know, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at it right now. That would be, yeah, you know, I mean, they're playing. That, that would sort of be that, that Saturday game against Milwaukee or at Memphis or home against Chicago, so, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think they're going to – it seems like he's pretty healthy at this point, though. And, you know, if, he, if he's going through a full-court practice. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess there's two ways to look at it. If it really is reintegrating him into team activities, then once this London trip is done, you know, you come back, you have the Raptors on Monday – and then you have a little bit of break until the Celtics on Thursday. But after that, they play pretty much every other day until the trade deadline. So after, you know, next Wednesday, you know, there's obviously they had practices Sunday. They'll have a practice today. They'll have practice Tuesday and Wednesday in London. Probably have a practice Saturday, Sunday, I would say, leading up to the Raptors. And then maybe Wednesday of next week might be another practice day before the Thursday game against the Celtics. After that, you might not practice again, like a full team practice, until the trade deadline or until the All-Star break. They literally don't, I don't, I have to double check, I'm not going to go through every game. I don't think they have two days off in a row until the All-Star break after that. This London trip kind of condenses everything after that. So if it really is about reintegrating him into the team and team activities, the fact that he's playing five on five has, you know, three or four more coming up in the next week. Seems to me like that Monday game against Toronto might be the place where you let him back in. But if it's more the jump shot and getting that consistent and something that he is comfortable using in games, I have no real read on the situation then because it still seems like he's a little bit of a ways away. That could be two or three weeks. I guess I'll do something which doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense and take the Sixers at their word and say it's reintegrating back in the team. I'll say Monday against the Raptors, but who really knows? A lot could happen in the next week is what I'd say. Yeah. I mean, when we were watching yesterday, too, you you made the point, too. Like, he's still so young. Yeah, he's very young. And it's not just from an age standpoint, either. Like, he is immature in a way that doesn't make him a bad kid. I, I don't think he's out there breaking the law or anything like that. But he's still so young. Yeah. And, God, when you watch him... Just do anything. That that is pretty much the first thing that hits you. And look, I you know I've I've always I've the entire time from the moment Brett talked about it to now I've said my I believe what happened is they changed his shot late in the off season. If that is what happened, and again I'm I'm pretty confident in that. 
then I don't necessarily – what I blame him most for is listening to bad advice. And if somebody tried to change his shot in August, like the team initially said, like I believe would be the case, I don't know how many rookies would have come into camp ready to play. I don't necessarily think it means he is you know, emotionally fragile, is a lot of a lot of people will say. I think he just listened to really bad advice, and it might have derailed his entire rookie season, and that sucks. But I don't think that changes my long-term projection all that much. At least I hope it doesn't. I still certainly see the talent in him. It's just I don't know what to expect when he comes back over the next, like I said, week, couple of weeks, month, whenever that may be. It might end up being you need a, a, an offseason to truly fix this, but who knows? Complete, that would be my. That would certainly be my guess. Completely uncharted territory. I have no idea what. Uh, um, regardless, uh, he he should be back relatively soon. All things considered. Uh yeah. So you're going to London? Yeah, I will. I guess, you know, I'm, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Rich is about to head to practice. I'm about to head to the airport to go to London. Almost no chance I'm going to get time, especially with the, the dropouts now. We had another, didn't mention it at the time, but we had one dropout while I was tethered to my phone. So that's two dropouts I have to kind of edit out. Certainly not going to get a chance to do that before I get on the plane. I'll probably edit this one from 30,000 feet. So this will probably come out Tuesday. Considering the Sixers play one game in a week, there better not be anything to happen that would invalidate this podcast. Knowing our luck, he'll probably they'll announce that Markel Fultz will play on London later today, and and fucking hell, I'm releasing the podcast anyway. I don't care, but I'm not gonna be able to get to this right away. It will be probably tomorrow morning when I land in London. So, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, look, it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm excited to go to London. I think it's a unique opportunity for the team. I think it's a really good. You know, we, we talked earlier about whether you want that layoff. I do think it's good from a Markel Fultz perspective to have all these practices now that you don't normally get uh it will be interesting to say the least it's good for for a joe Embiid perspective too yeah get a little rest yeah i mean even if you know even if that was precautionary yesterday just to just to have practices where you can in a controlled environment try and get your win back and and not have to take the beating of a game every other night that's it's a good thing yeah for sure it really is amazing how he can dominate the NBA, and you know, he, Brett said this many times. He doesn't really practice at this point in the season. It's pretty special. Pretty special. Uh, all right, I think that's probably all that I have. Thanks for jumping on, Rich. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Hopefully, it doesn't sound sound too shitty in the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. All right. Also, check out theathletic.com/philly since we never advertise it. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBowlers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.